Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the ecardnews.com radio network. Episode number 52 set to go in the books. July 24th here in the studio. And David Cole and I are going to be talking about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. Rounds number three and four took place just last weekend at the Amarillo Kart Circuit in West Texas. I had a chance to actually drive in addition to just covering the race uh, and doing the play-by-play on the PA and on EKN Live. It was a fantastic weekend. Hot, as we will discuss. But before we bring in David Cole to add snarky responses and remarks about me driving, um, let's begin by presenting our show sponsor for today, Briggs & Stratton Racing. Briggs & Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to the kart track like the Briggs 206. The out-of-the-box performance provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting uh, engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs & Stratton's century-long commitment to motorsports at www.briggsracing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? All right, David Cole. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm sure that you sat at home listening to the EKN Live uh, coverage of my racing all weekend glued to your laptop or your phone. Glued to my phone, yes. I was uh, I was kind of all over the place uh, on the weekend. Obviously, being home, you get to uh, you got to do some of the things here and there, and you got we had some family things to attend. So yeah, I was. Uh, That's right. We were we were poolside when I was watching your main event on Sunday. Does that count? I would assume you're probably yeah, poolside's fine. I'm as, I assume you're watching race monitor because obviously on Sunday I wasn't even on the microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg speed, Greg speed came over and said, Hey, can I help you out for your racing on Saturday? And it was so hot. I was in like, you know, one of the shipping containers an air conditioning shipping container for timing and scoring during my racing. When if, well, Greg's in a wheelchair. So if Greg got into the container, he'd be just looking at live timing and he couldn't see the track. So just because there was only two small windows really high up. So he ended up having to announce Saturday from outside the container, and man, it was hot. And I know he was burning. And I said, you know, we talked about. He messaged me on Sunday and said, "I'm not sure if I can go out there on Sunday." And I'm like, "I understand. I would run out during the weekend, watch some of the racing, come back inside to cool down, look at the live timing, go back out and watch more of the racing." It was, uh, it was hot, but yeah, live timing. I'm sure you saw me going up and down on live timing. How how are these people who live in Texas not used to being hot? Well, I don't know if they're always. They're probably used to 100 degrees. It was it was sunny and windy. They're they're, they're probably used to it. It was me that was complaining, but really okay. not even. It was it was hot, but it was yeah. it, it is what it is. It was let's, let's put it this way, it was not as humid as it was in Indianapolis for the brick. Okay, yard. but what? How was how? Now you kind of got into it. It was you know high winds. How was it compared to last year weather wise? Uh, very actually, it wasn't quite as hot as last year. Last okay. year, I had the I had the uh, you know I had all the equipment outside. I was underneath an easy up. It was 104 degrees. Um, the difference between 104 and 100, and then 100, and I think it was like 94 or 95 on Sunday. Significantly, you can feel the difference for sure. So, it, it, and you know what? It was a hot weekend. The crazy thing was Monday again for the second straight year. It was 80 degrees when I came out of the. Uh, when I came out of the hotel to go to the airport on Monday morning, it was 80 degrees midday. Of course. Which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's jump into this uh, again. Round number three and four of the Texas pro kart challenge, a uh, three weekend six event series here in 2019 under the Supercarts USA banner. Uh, we did Denton back in March for round one and two. 
course, here in Amarillo for three and four. And in September, we go to Houston and the Speed Sports Racing Park. But the third trip for the series, David, to the Amarillo Kart Circuit, it's owned by a local Dr. Thane Morgan in Amarillo. That scale version of the F1 circuit in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, the track, just a ton of fun to race on. And with the wind, you come out of turn number 10, which is a left-hander. It's a big sweeping turn nine down into this 10, this right hand. such a double right hand, turn 10, 11 complex. But when you come out of nine, David, you're directly into the wind, like blowing right in your face. And, you know, number one, ducking your head helped. But if you were in the draft, it bouncing off the limiter in the bricks as soon as you got into the draft. It was big. It seemed like, especially in the Briggs class, because that's the one I was really, really following, uh, lap times dropped from Saturday to Sunday because, as you said, the kind of the wind died down a little bit yeah. on Sunday. Uh, one of the mistakes I didn't make was probably taking a tooth off on Sunday, knowing the fact that that we were going to uh, the wind wasn't quite as high. I just you know running back and forth. The guys at Speed Sports, uh, Jesse Dunham and the crew were working away, and I didn't even, I didn't ask for a gear, and I probably should have, and that's likely why. The times came down that and the fact that it was much cooler as well. So I think, you know, the hotter it gets, the stickier it gets. Um, as I said, high winds, hot all weekend, hundred degrees. We did, we went triple digits on Saturday, about 95 on Sunday, as I said, but lots of, man, lots of time on the racetrack, five full practice sessions on Friday, morning warm up, two full days of racing on Saturday and Sunday with the warm up, pre-final and final. I got my, I got my share of laps. <laughs> I'll tell you that most definitely. Well, that's good. That's, you know, that's kind of what you want when you go to programs such as Texas Pro Kart is to be able to get in a bunch of laps because really it's training ground. It's, it's, you know, especially when you go to a track that nobody goes to all season long. Uh, so you don't have the ability to, 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 you know, learn about the track. So every, every lap around Amarillo, Amarillo is very crucial because you're learning each time you go out. That's no doubt about that. And it's the funny thing is, you know, you, I actually didn't – I got a little quicker at the weekend. I, I was able to get a couple sessions in when I got there on Thursday. And just running back and forth, you know, we made some changes, but not a lot of changes. And I didn't – I personally didn't get significantly quicker. I felt that my racecraft got better. Uh, I, I drove off a couple of times during practice session trying to uh, hook up with some of the guys. I figured it would have been quicker. You drop a wheel somewhere and you lose that draft. And then I ended up with, you know, in practice sessions where I was by myself or with, with other guys that made – you know, not have been front runners. So uh, overall, I, I I think I changed the, I improved my, my racecraft. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dave, let's look at numbers as we always do here in the overview of the debrief podcast. Again, this is the review of the Texas Pro Car Challenge event at Amarillo. Numbers, really a, a little less. We had seven less drivers than last year. There was 75 drivers last year, 68 this year. Really what it is, and I think it's a really good indication of kind of the way things are in the sport in certain areas, especially those areas, David, that maybe were kind of hotbeds for shifter cart racing. Um, I think overall in the sport right now, everybody knows the the evolution of shifter cart racing from the stock Honda, potentially to the new pro shifter with Supercarts USA and the IAMI SSE 175. You've got other areas where they're kind of picking up the rock shifter package. You go to the Northeast and the gear up F, F series challenge where they're kind of still rolling. You know, they're, they're focused on KZ with some Honda stuff, but KZ. So really kind of unaffected by the craziness of the stock Honda stuff. This is really what we're seeing because last year at this event, they had 17 to, uh, shift, total shifters this time, just six, three in the pro shifter class and three in Honda shifter. 
the reason why they've got decent numbers having lost 14 shifter car drivers is they brought in another 17 drivers in Briggs that weren't there last, you know, that weren't there last year, 13 drivers in the senior class, three in junior and the one lone driver in 206 masters. So kind of the evolution because the other category is kind of dropping off a little bit, not as many drivers in senior couple, not as many drivers in the X30 junior class. So overall the numbers just down a little bit on this particular trip to uh, Amarillo, but really, the number thing, the big focus was on the fact that shifters are in just such flux right now. It's it's a new era for shifter kart racing here in the United States because, as you said, yeah, stock Honda, stock moto has been pretty much the dominating force in terms of numbers wise uh, over the last decade, and and now with with Supercarts USA moving their their focus towards the IME SSE engine, that that's kind of opened the uh, you know Pandora's box, if you will, of where do we go now? And so that's yeah. kind of, you know, and, and people are speaking with, with uh, their entries and, and saying, hey, you know what, I'm, we're just not going to go race. And that, and that's, that's what it is, right? What it is. People just aren't. Yeah. Some, some people are going rock racing and they're getting numbers, but not like the numbers we've had before. They're slowly building up the sales. More people are jumping on board with the 175. Those who campaign the Supercarts USA, maybe the Pro Tour or Regional Series, whatever it may be. You know, there's a good group starting to grow in, in the Great Lakes region. But you know, nothing like what we used to have. It's almost like we're resetting the bar. And I don't know, I don't know how many years it's going to take before we get back to seeing maybe 40 cart grids. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I, I'm not quite sure what what direction people are going to want to go. Uh, that's that's what it boils down to, and, and people people are just kind of you know in flux of of what to do, and you know some have elected to to get away from shifters and go tag racing or or something yep. else, or as as we said, you're not even going racing. So uh, you know, time will tell where we stand. You know, again because there wasn't such a slow rollout for the SSE engine. It's a little bit of a cram down your throat mentality and that, you know, and, and people don't really appreciate that. And so they're speaking by not going to the race. And well, Hey, let me, I don't want to say it's crammed down your throat because to be honest, if you, if you go back and look at the Supercarts USA numbers in the stock Honda category, those guys voted early. Like <clears throat> stock Honda could have kept racing. It, stock Honda could still be there this year on the pro tour in the S4 class, but S4 and S4 Supermaster drivers just stopped coming. That, that's indicative of indicative of, of the way things are in shifter cart racing, but they just stopped coming. <laughs> like just well, you're correct in that, but again, it's it's from we can't keep going top down. We got to go from the bottom up, and that's kind of how I looked at it because uh, you know you look at the Briggs numbers everywhere across the country. It, it didn't begin from the top up. It be or top down. It began from the bottom and coming up. You know, people are people who who race, you know, other forms of of racing are coming down to the Briggs because it's fun. It has that fun factor. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think, you know, and I think that the SSE engine does have a little bit of fun factor, but it's it's something new and something different. And it's a change. And some people don't adapt to change very well. So, again, we're kind of in, in an area of flux. And, and again, time will tell what direction and how things unfold. And because again, it's, it's a solid, uh, engine package. We saw it at, at, uh, the brickyard a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've been following it, uh, at the pro tour level all season long. And, and so it's, and again, it's something new and something, something unknown. And so it's going to take time for, uh, 
for people to adopt to it. Yeah. For me to, to cap just off the thought, I, I think you're going to see pockets of rock. You're going to see pockets of, of, uh, IME SSC 175s. You're going to see guys uh, running the KZ in some places, other events like the Brickyard and maybe even Rock Island are going to do what they can to potentially, uh, try to, you know, come up with that equalization, uh, process to be able to to be able to run them both together that's what we're going to see and that's what it's going to be for a couple of years i just that's my thought and i think you're going to see a lot of places still have stock honda guys are going to run stock honda road racing clubs are going to run stock honda because they're super affordable right now guys that are top level guys are getting out of their stock hondas they're selling them for next to nothing get one go club racing with a stock honda and have some fun that's i think that's kind of where we're going all right, folks, uh, first break in the action here for the EKN Debrief, episode number 52. Rob Howden alongside David Cole as we review the rounds three and four of the Texas Pro Car Challenge at the Amarillo Kart Circuit. After this break, I'll give you some information from the Paddock Pass. Top quality material, all presented in fluorescent yellow. You've seen it, and now you need to choose the flow. Since 2005, J3 Competition has been capturing major victories and championships both on and off the track, redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and rolled it into their own chassis line in 2015, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning races ever since. There are three Comp Cart models to choose from. The Covert 3.0 R19 is the latest design for tag and shifter competition. The Covert 4R serves several popular categories, including 100cc and Briggs 206 racing. The Ranger 28 model is designed for cadet racing and will be the official chassis of the Minimax division at the 2019 Rotax Challenge Grand Finals in Sarno, Italy. And lastly, new carters can get right into the comp cart product from the beginning, running the micro cart in the kid cart division. Visit j3competition.com for more on the fastest growing chassis line in the world. Do it now. Choose the flow. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? Welcome back to the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. Uh, let's jump into the Paddock Pass presented today by the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. All right, David, let's uh, do a little paddock pass action here. We'll get into the race report in a bit. Bottom line is, for me, for the paddock pass, obviously a smaller paddock, but man, it was just a really, it was a fun atmosphere in my mind. Um, even with the, the heat, 
you know, it was just you know, people were enjoying themselves. Friday night, uh, Mark French and I fired up the grill. We cranked up like seven dozen hamburgers and probably the same amount of hot dogs. Uh, they cracked the cooler open. We were drinking cold Modelo's. The Crosslink guys had the uh, the margarita machine fired up. And it was just, you know, it's, it was one of those deals where it's a regional series, but it's also a small group. It's There's a community there. It was just fun. I, I had a fun weekend. It was great. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that Mark and Gina French have been able to really focus on is is making the program fun. Uh, you know, day, a lot of programs that we we go to uh, throughout the year, you know, that that's very key in keeping your customers who are the racers happy. And, you know, if if they if they leave each night happy rather than being frustrated or 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 just heat you know, just, just drenched in, in sweat with, with not without a smile, it, it makes it tough for them to want to keep coming back race at race after race. And so you got to have that, that little bit of fun factor into each event and it, and it can be just, just, as you said, just providing some dinner Friday night or, or, you know, as you, as you state in some of the other notes, squirting some squirt guns around with, 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 with the kids. Well, so what happened, what they do is they always give some kind of a prize uh, for winning practice, right? So if you're, if you're the fastest guy on Friday in the final session of practice, um, you know, I think they gave Cadbury Easter cream eggs out one time to the kids or whatever. Well, it's so hot in Amarillo, they give out squirt guns. And uh, I was still registered as a master's driver uh, at the end of Friday. I ended up jumping over to the senior class. So I got a couple squirt guns. So the minis, the, like there was a bunch of squirt guns here, the micro and mini swift kids. I, dude, I had to go full matrix on a bunch of like nine to 12 year olds. We had a solid, solid water gun fight. <laughs> but, but when it's that hot, you just kind of stand there and take it, don't you? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. No, it was, it was fun. We had a good time. So yeah, we were running around the, uh, the grid or the, the paddock area doing full matrix action. I was like, just being my total Neo. It was awesome. It's cool. Um, let's talk about the track itself. Super fun to drive. Um, I talked a little earlier about it. It, there's some long straightaways that lead into some pretty hard breaking zones. Not so much, of course, for us in the Briggs classes, but there are long straights into some tight, like almost increasing radius corners. Uh, but there's some very tight complexes too that you have to have to be able to get through. So you know the gearing is is interesting, but it's all a lot of the corners, Dave. You know, it's all about give and take, right? You know, you're you're not going to get past here, so you may give up a little entry speed to get back on the throttle earlier. I I, I really enjoyed the challenge of the racetrack. Well, it's good because we're we're getting used to these flowing tracks where there's not a lot of braking or you know there. I love hard braking zones, and that that's what a lot of tracks are missing. Yeah, and so to be able to to sample that again, unfortunately, it's only a, a track that well now has two events for on the year, but uh, that we don't get to 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 be able to sample any weekend that we want to. That's that's the sad part about it, but. Uh, you, I, I, I would really hope that more tracks in the future that do get designed uh, do have this because because I think it, it makes for better racers down the road because they're able to handle tight corners and hard braking zones and very technical sections of a racetrack to where rather than just hanging on the gas all wide open all the way around and, and making a few corners a little bit difficult. Well, it was fun for the Briggs categories. Obviously, I'm going to try to roll some speed through there and then leveraging the draft because with the wind we had, the draft was absolutely massive in the Briggs category. Like I, I said earlier, the minute you got rolling, man, 
bounce the, the thing will be bouncing off the rev limiter. You'd be, you'd be pushing like crazy, trying to you know, and then release into the corner. It, 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 cool to see. We talked about the shifters, but David, cool to see the growing kind of Briggs two hundred six field. You know, it's kind of sparked some guys to get off the couch a little bit and come out and play. Um, you know, thirteen drivers and senior. Ideally, I'd like to see a bigger field, even a, even a bigger field at the finale at Speed Sports in September, maybe twenty twenty plus, because. Man, we, we all just had we had a lot of fun. It was it was one of those you know what it's like. It's one of those races where you're out there, you're drafting, you're inside out on each other. Then you get out of the cart and the scales, and you're high fiving each other. And that's kind of what it was. It was awesome. Well, it helps that Speed Sports has a local contingent, and a lot of it is focused on the Briggs category. So I, I'm assuming numbers are going to be big, big for that event regarding the Briggs. And again, like I said, it's tough when you go to a facility like Amarillo that doesn't have a club. Tr- club program yeah and and you're trying to get guys to come to this so a lot of a lot of regular racers who are into the briggs categories just don't don't have the means to travel or or even have a trailer as we keep you know kind of pinpointing uh you know the different type of briggs racers that are out there you're right yeah there wasn't that that local uh you know contingent to be able to draw from uh kudos to mark and gina french and the whole series for doing a tremendous job in my opinion of transforming what is a private track into a, a you know, a really safe facility with fencing uh, that directs the traffic flow, you know, entering and exiting the grid, the track, the scales, because you know, people don't realize that when they, when they roll up, the fencing's there, the barriers are there. That stuff all goes away. When, when, you know, when the series leaves, that stuff's all gone. The fencing's all gone because it's a private racetrack. You just go out, you get on track and you go. And they were able to work with the Amarillo Convention and Visitor Bureau. They supported the event as a title sponsor. They came on board to provide some help for the fencing, for the barriers, all that kind of stuff. So, again, here's a private track that the, gene, that the Frenches roll into like on a Tuesday. They spend all this time Tuesday, Wednesday to get it ready for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They spend like six to ten hours on Monday cleaning up, getting everything gone before they can roll. So it's one of those week-long races for three days of competition. That the, that the racers don't never don't ever really see. It's not like coming into a purpose built track, David. Everything's ready to go. You know, turn the key and go. This is kind of one of those things, almost like a almost like a temp circuit. We've got to put everything together before everybody gets there. Yeah, essentially, it is a, a temp circuit. Aside from the actual racetrack itself, uh, everything around it has to be brought in because, as you said, it's it's basically a cart track in somebody in somebody's backyard. Um, but uh, I think really what what really stood out and I think they've done this all three years now is, is they've had a, a true opening ceremony, uh, bringing in the color guard yeah. and, and all that stuff. I remember seeing the photos that you, uh, you shared on EKN, uh, Saturday morning when, before racing took place. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, they, and, and Mark and Gina want it to be a show. Like people are out here to have a good time. We're doing it correctly. We're doing it high end. Uh, it was the, the color guard from the local, uh, Cap Rock High School from Amarillo. They came out, so we did a full color guard presentation. Uh, we did the national anthem. Everybody stood for that. We had all our drivers there, so that was a great way to start things off. And then you go to the way they kind of, you know, they ha- they handle the, the podium presentations, and I, and I always have fun with that. There's one main, there's really one main building there, so it's got a full kind of drive through the middle of the building, and then two levels on both sides. So. You, on the one side, the level, there's kind of a green room. It's kind of a relaxed room. They got TVs. They got they got beanbag chairs in there. Of course, Thane Morgan designed the private track to be able to come, drive his cart, hang out a little bit. So what they essentially do, number number one, they've got the trademark Amarillo Boot Trophy. 
So essentially it's this cool trophy where it's a, it's a cowboy boot, but the stitching of the cowboy boots, actually the layer to the racetrack, which looks so, so cool. All the podium finishers go up, up top. They go into the air conditioned green room, bring them out each podium. They do the podium actually up on the second level. They are able to open the gate up. So very formula one esque. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Everybody comes inside, you know, they got the PA inside. We have one speaker inside. They, you know, everybody's cheering and yelling. It's uh, it was a really good atmosphere for the podium, and it's always cool to see everybody come out. And it was a ton of fun. There's no doubt about that. It was great. My my favorite is the trophy. I love I love the boot trophy because it's unique. It's something different. Uh, it, it really shows. You know, it's it's that Amarillo feel to it. You know, it'd be better to have an old '96 or steak if you win. But <laughs> you know, I guess I guess that's probably bigger than some of the micro kids, right? We we went to uh, the Big Texan on Sunday night. We tried to challenge a couple of guys to do the to do the uh, the seventy two ounce, but uh, that wasn't going to happen. Oh, it's seventy two, no not ninety six. Well, remember old ninety six oh, is yes. from other is like summer summer vacation yes, or something. John like that. Candy, yeah, yep, yep, John Candy. It's the old ninety sixer. It's the seventy two ounce at uh, at the Big Texan. Not, We're going to have gonna... to research now where the old ninety sixer is now. Is it, it? I thought it was like I thought it was up in Michigan. I thought that's exactly where it was. I don't think so. I would. I think yeah. I would have known that. I, I maybe Wisconsin or or Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota. Doesn't take, doesn't take much to to jump on uh, Google, bud. Because I out. think Paul Bunyan's more of a Wisconsin, Minnesota. Like it's All not right. really well, re- associated with with Michigan. So yeah, but that was a TV show. It was a movie. I mean, well, yeah, like, but, maybe they're just. But they're, I think it was kind of like Paul Bunyan area. I don't know. You think so? Yeah. So it was a Paul Bunyan esque kind yeah. of thing. Well, go online. Right. You, listen, you flick online and look for it. You, we'll go to a quick break. We'll go to a quick break right now. <laughs> You go check on it. I'll come back. I'll start talking about race reports because you're not going to be able to help me much with that. No. Um, and find out. Find out where that. Yeah. I think. I think it's summer vacation with John Candy. Right. Is that not what it's called? Oh no, it's the Great Outdoors. The great Outdoors. Yep. The old ninety sixer. So find out. Where, you go find All out. Right. Stay with us, folks. David Cole's going to do some work, and I'll be right back. You've heard the term bucket list in karting. It refers to the Rock Island Grand Prix. The world's largest street race for karting will host its 25th edition this coming Labor Day weekend, and you owe it to yourself to be there. The Rock Island Grand Prix lands on the weekend of August 30 and September 1, and everyone in the Mississippi River City is ready to welcome grassroots racers as well as some of the best shifter kart drivers from North America to their home race. A total of 17 race groups are set to tackle the city streets of Rock Island, Illinois over two full days of exciting competition. Volunteer-based committee and their passionate crew turns their streets into a racing festival overnight as drivers compete for the coveted Rock Trophy. Categories range from the popular Briggs 206, Margay Ignite, and Yamaha classes to Tag, KA100, Shifter Divisions, and the famed King of the Streets main event. It's the most fun you can have on and off the track. It's the Rock Island Grand Prix. Learn more by visiting rockislandgrandprix.com. And if you're a passionate kart racer, it's time to cross this one off your bucket list. Are you in need of a podium-proven Briggs 206 chassis? If you answered yes, check out the 2019 Margay Ignite K3 and Brava 206 packages manufactured in St. Louis, Missouri, right here in the USA. The Margate chassis has been racking up 206 podiums on the club and regional level, most recently at big four-stroke programs such as the AMR Homestead Miami Speedway, 
Texas Pro Car Challenge, Texas Sprint Racing Series, Atlanta Motorsports Park, the Quincy Grand Prix, and the Gateway Carplex. The best part about purchasing a Margate Racing chassis is that everything can be ordered custom, including frame color, decal color, and logo placement. Choose to purchase as a roller, kit, or race-ready. With a race-ready package, just unbox the cart, add gas, oil, and go. Need factory support? Margate Racing is just a call or email away with technical support or setup tips. Interested in renting a cart at one of the biggest karting events this summer? Check out Margate Racing Spec Ignite class and their arrive and drive packages to be part of the 25th running of the Rock Island Grand Prix this coming Labor Day weekend. For more information, please visit Margate.com or call 800-562-7429 today. The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. Mad Old Nut Racing and Croc Promotion USA are focused on changing the paradigm when it comes to race teams in this sport. And the goal is to support dedicated young racers by giving them the tools and opportunities to succeed. Originally born as Mad Croc, the new branding is Croc Promotion, and Armando Fellini's product continues its dedication to quality and innovation. Croc Promotion USA is the American importer and distributor, and Mad Old Nut Racing is the official race team. We're ready to attack in 2019, and our race results speak for themselves. A.J. Myers swept the first four Winter Series Shifter Cut races of the year, and Andrew Bedozo continues to assert himself as an emerging player. Croc Promotion has momentum. Dedicated and talented young drivers, supported and mentored by team owners who know business and who are passionate about karting. That's Croc Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. Search for us on social media and give us a follow. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network. David Cole, I, I'm not sure if he's been busy at work or not. We'll see. Uh, but we're back doing our EKN debrief of the most recent Texas Pro Kart Challenge event at Amarillo, Texas. We're going to jump now uh, into the race report segment brought to you today by Stilo USA. As a world leader in personal racing safety products, Simpson Performance Products is now the official North American distributor for Stilo helmets. In addition to their popular auto racing helmets, Stilo is excited to have made their move into karting. Stilo has two helmets designed and manufactured specifically for karting. The ST5 CMR 2016 for kids and the ST5 Kart Snell K 2015 for the adult karters in the country. For more information, check them out online at www.simpsonperformanceracingproducts.com slash Stilo or by following them on, sto- on social media at Stilo USA. All right, I'm going to jump in right now, David Cole. Start talking about some of the race reports here. Uh, again, it's going to be a little different because I was obviously jumping in my cart at the end of shifters, and then I ran the LO206 race, and then I missed some of the, the, the Mini Swift race while I was at scales and getting everything wrapped up, but I'll do the best I can for you. I did see every senior, X30 senior race. They ran with X30 Masters as the final race of the day. Really kind of a, a, a two-driver battle all weekend long. On Saturday, Caden Gray... Uh, who swept the weekend at Denton back in in, in uh, March, uh, was able to qualify on pole, wins the pre-final, and eventually ends up winning the final as well. He, he kind of pulled away in the main event, 
Although the driver who chased him for the rest of the weekend, Alejandro Jaramillo, the reigning X30 champion in the series, was the fastest on the racetrack in the main event, was closing up in a big way. He ends up finishing second, wasn't quite close enough to make a move for the race win. And then finishing third, Jake French. Uh, actually, an issue in the pre-final. I think he had to go to the very tail of the field and then fought his way back and made a couple of good passes, ends up P3. So Jake on the on the crock promotion machine. But uh, it was really Caden Gray and Alejandro Jaramillo who just were the fastest guys all weekend. Oh, sorry. I'm still looking up old 96 or stuff. <laughs> you, you keep working. You keep working. I was just taking, I was actually I think, taking a drink I think of water. French, I think French got uh, shoved off in the pre-final or something like that, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Something over, yeah, I think something over in turn number 10. And I'll, you'll hear, I'll preface this because we're going to talk about turn 10 a lot because a lot of, it's obviously the, kind of the final passing opportunity on the racetrack. When you come out of turn eight, which is at the end of the long back straightaway, it's a left-hander, tight left-hander. You roll a lot of speed through there. It's a big sweeping turn number nine coming back into a hard-breaking left-hand a turn 10 with a little tiny little short, almost a, kind of a chicane, but just more of a little a little wiggle, then back through 11 onto the front straightaway. So you'll hear a lot about turn 10. I'll preface that for you. Uh, on Sunday, Gray was back doing it again, qualified on pole. Uh, Jaramillo was able to win the, the pre-final, uh, but in the main event, awesome battle up front. Jaramillo and Gray pull away early, two-driver fight. They kind of swapped the position back and forth. But then right after the halfway point, Jaramillo made the move and was able to pull a gap of about a second, maybe a second and a half at a time. Gray closed back up late in the race. Not quite enough to make a challenge, but did pressure with the last couple of laps. So he ends up taking second. So Gray, solid in the championship right now. Three wins and a second place finish. Jaramillo is going to have work to do and Gray's going to have to have some trouble uh, in Houston in September if he wants to steal away the championship. John Barry ends up finishing third. Challenged throughout the race as well. There was some good racing back right, kind of behind them there. Uh, but it was John Barry who was able to come through. I think Riley Can and Jake French were in the middle of the fight. Jack Scanlon actually was very impressive throughout the weekend, but had absolutely no luck w- whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I think he got, I think it might have been the final lap where he got taken out again. Uh, but John Barry ends up wrapping up the podium in the X30 senior class. I'll go quickly to the X30 master because they actually ran together. And really, the two drivers who battled it out were Miguel Mir, last year's champion, and David Pergande uh, from Katy, Texas, working with Joe Boss Motorsports on the weekend. Mir qualified on pole. In fact, he swept Saturday, qualified on pole, won the pre-final, and was able to win the, uh, the main event as well. Pergande right there pressure, uh, pressuring him. Brian Fisher Cole, he was out there running as well, of course, working on the Fisher Racing Engine. He came out and, and drove as well uh, with the guys from DR Kart. Uh, the Rimrock Raceway guys, and uh, he was putting the pressure on, had a pretty good run, ended up finishing uh, third on Saturday, and would jump over to 206 on Sunday. I loved it. <laughs> why, why? I'm not sure why he would make the jump, though. That's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't, well, I don't, I don't know if he, maybe, I, you know, I have to go look. He might have been driving Glenn Cherry's oh, okay. cart on, on Saturday, and then flip-flop because he was in Nathan Wilkins, I believe. Nathan Wilkins, DR cart in 206 on Sunday. So I think he might have just flip-flopped because Glenn Cherry did run the race on Sunday. I'm not sure if they were used different carts. Actually, it could have been Scott Cherry's cart too. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure which one gotcha, he was in, to be honest. Gotcha. Uh, on, on Sunday, Pergandi qualifies on pole. David was having a bit of trouble with some stuff. I think he said he was geared a little bit wrong. He was also off a bit on jetting because I, I want to say Amarillo is like 3,000 feet elevation. It's a little higher up. So he was off a bit on, on Saturday. Pergandi comes back on Sunday, qualifies on pole with a Tony Kart. Uh, on, in the pre-final, Mir comes back and gets him. Started the final on Sunday, 
Pergandi takes the early lead. He's able to go to the lead. You know, I want to say it led probably five or six, maybe seven laps. Mir gets back by. Uh, so Mir ends up with the win. Not not a huge gap. Pergandi pushed him maybe just over a second for the remainder of the race. Thane Morgan ends up taking uh, the third spot. But all in all, Pergandi kind of stepping things up throughout the weekend to try to go after Mir. But Miguel's just, you know, he really is the top master's driver. Running with cross-link competition. He's got lots of confidence. Uh, he's pretty yes, quick. very quick, and, and he seemed to be, uh, especially when I watched Friday during practice, he seemed to be towards uh, towards uh, mid-pack of the uh, senior division as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. The speed was good. He was pretty impressive. Uh, very similar, talking about, you know, the guys that were kind of up front, are up front for the whole weekend kind of thing. It was the same deal in the X30 junior class. Really, three drivers stood out. Alex Stanfield. Aiden Rudolph, and Chase Gardner. Good weekends as well for uh, Ryan Sheehan, Adrian Cruz, uh, Ruben Asensio. They were right there too. But on Saturday, Stanfield sweeps the day. Qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final, and actually able to pull away by himself. Rudolph kind of hung with him for a bit early, but he pulled away. Rudolph pulled away in second. But the super excitement was kind of this run for third. Chase Gardner, I think, started third, but fell back early. And then throughout the entire run, which I was, I believe was, I think, 18 laps, just kept digging and getting close. And, the, and then he started putting down purple laps, right? Start putting down the fast laps of the race. And he was closing up on, I believe it was Ryan Sheehan and then Asensio. And I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get the job done because, you know, Dave Lapp's winding down, right? I'm like, I don't know. I'm calling the split. We're, called, you know, we're really looking at lap times. Is he trending to the point where he's getting quicker and quicker? Well, Gardner gets to Sheehan on the final lap. And I want to say it was over in turn number uh, six, which is after a tight corner, a tight combination, three, four, five. You come out of the left-hander and then down to six, which is, which is a big right-hand sweeper before you go onto the back straight through seven onto the back shoot. Gardner makes a move there, gets Sheehan. I'm pretty sure that's correct. And then he passes, I want to say he passed, Asensio going into turn number 10 in the final lap, passes two cars in the final lap, P5 to P3. Pretty excited to watch it. And just, dude, really just a fantastic second half of the race for Gardner, putting down just amazing lap times. Well, for Stanfield, that's a good uh, little bit of momentum going for him because he won at Battle of Brickyard in the K100 yeah. junior class. Uh, so to be able to go back home and, and to sweep the opening round is very solid for him. Agreed. And, and and was one of those just really good performances. You know, my call, a lot of the focus went on Gardner because Stanfield was just out there banging out laps. And the consistency of his lap times were impressive. So Stanfield, again, with the win. Aiden Rudolph in second. He was good all weekend long. Chase Gardner in third. Move over to Sunday. A little bit cooler. Uh, Stanfield again on the pole position. Uh, again, keeping that momentum going from Saturday. Rudolph, as I said, was fast. He was able to actually get the race win in the pre-final. But the main event was really about Gardner. Uh, Chase able to get out front early. And he and Rudolph actually worked together. Aiden's, you know, got the race craft. He understands what to do. He's, he's trying to get away from Stanfield behind him. So the Gardner and Rudolph hooked up. They push away. And actually, and with the draft, like I said, there was enough of a win still that they were able to pull away. Stanfield kind of hung out to drive by himself in third spot. Uh, of course, as you know, David, anytime two drivers hook up like this, I'd attract that we were seeing last lap passes being the deal. You had to wait. You know, you didn't want to go, you didn't want to lead the last lap. I don't think. Um, 
although it worked out for Gardner. Gardner held the position. They come down to turn number 10. He runs the defensive line. Rudolph tries to go for the over-under, just wasn't able to get enough run coming out of 10 over to 11. And Gardner gets the win. Rudolph second, Stanfield third. Stanfield really strong in the championship battle, but Rudolph still there as well. Number driver still there. It was uh, it was just good racing. You know, when you get three drivers, David, like that, who are racing that hard and that that strong, it was really just fun to watch. Yeah, Rudolph had a game plan. He he thought he mapped it out correctly. It just uh, didn't end up uh, in his favor on the last lap, and sometimes that happens. But really, uh, really a good end to a solid weekend for Gardner. Uh, jumping into the Pro Shifter and Honda Shifter class, we can probably speed through these pretty quickly because three drivers in each category. Uh, Mark Snyder, who we've seen, of course, on the on the Pro Tour as well, uh, running the Scusa Pro Tour with RK Motorsports, uh, their team. Uh, qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final, wins the main event on the open, opening day, quickest of the field, just essentially walked away with it. Miguel Garcia ends up finishing second. Thane Morgan was actually third. Now, Thane not running one of the 175s. He was running uh, one of the Vortex engines, so the, the rock engines. So essentially was going to get DQ'd at the end of every day, but that's the motor he's got. And <laughs> he wanted to run, so come on out and race. Um, on Sunday, Snyder again takes the lead, pace in the field, but a flat tire. Flat right front on lap 10. He goes to pit lane. Morgan and Garcia get in the middle of the fight. Uh, I think Morgan actually crossed the line P1, but of course running a different engine, so he's DQ'd. Uh, So Garcia ends up getting the victory there. In the Honda Shifter category, one of the cool things was, you know, the the French's, you know, they ran their Kalo Cup, the the KA100 and Briggs 206 uh, race at, at Coda, at the Circuit of the Americas, you know, Coda Karting. Well, they got a couple of the guys from Coda Karting, and convince them, hey, you guys got to come to Amarillo. So Gregory Lewis came out. Uh, Billy Brandon came out. They had a couple guys come out and run uh, on the Margays. And I think it was, I'm not exactly sure what chassis Lewis had, but Gregory Lewis ran in Honda Shifter. So it's him, Skylar Sutton, who was one of the only drivers at Denton, Denton, and then a local guy who found out about the racetrack and bought a 2005 CRG, um, Vanderdussen, Andy Vanderdussen. He came out and raced. So... Interesting thing about about the race on on Saturday is that Skylar Sutton got out of the lead, had a big massive lead. Well, for uh, for Gregory Lewis, he was just kind of getting more and more comfortable. He was actually, I think, I think he ran in the in the Briggs class too, getting more and more comfortable. He ends up banging out these bad fast laps at the end and actually passes Sutton. Final lap, final corner, takes over the win in turn number 10. It was a, it was a crazy finish. I was actually uh, jumping in my 206 cart. So if people listen to the broadcast that will eventually have an ECAN radio network again. Um, it was actually Greg speed that was calling it. And he actually makes the pass final, final lap, final corner wins in his first main event in the Texas pro car challenge. And that's what we are probably going to see at a lot of these regional programs that do have shifter cart racing is, is, is the, the different, you know, any, you got anything, come race it, you know, Hondas, rocks, IAMIs, whatever KZs. I think that's kind of what, uh, maybe what we're heading towards, uh, as far as regional racing and especially club racing, uh, just come out and race it and, ha- and have a blast. And I think these guys did. Yeah. And, and really, isn't that what it's about? It's, it's David, you, how much, how many times do you and I get in the middle of a conversation talking about the fact that if we could just kind of change around the focus for some people to realize that, this thing's all about just, you know, karting's about having fun. I don't, it obviously depends on what level you're racing at, but it's about having a good time. 
and you know to be able to just get these guys out get them racing that's my that's my thought no i agree i agree i I completely agree i mean that's all i can do i'm i'm not going to formula one (laughs) yeah no you're not dave i'll tell you that for sure (laughs) dude you got beat by me you're not going anywhere at least i can feel my arms right now how about that yeah oh i can i can they were super sore and not quite as sore as they were on on saturday and sunday let me tell you that (laughs) i appreciate that jab (laughs) all right um so lewis comes back again having kind of got a feel for the track um and this is the thing. So Lewis comes back, win, you know, sweeps the day on on Sunday, qualifies on pole, or wins the pre-final, wins the main over over Sutton. Uh, Eric Vanderdussen not able to uh, to run the main had an issue, so he didn't run the main. But Lewis actually picked up to the point where he was battling it out pretty aggressively with Miguel Garcia and Thane Morgan. He was like right in the middle, running with the pro shifter guys in the stock Honda. It was fun to watch. He was on. He was on it. A uh, quick question about the that you were talking about how Snyder had a flat tire. How were with the yeah. track, with the weather being so warm and the track never really able to put down rubber, how was tire wear throughout the weekend? Well, I, I didn't hear anybody complaining about it. Let's put it that way. Um, my times, you know, I, of course, I was on the Avinco Blues for the 206 category. My times stayed solid throughout the entire weekend. I ran a set all weekend, right? So, what, six? I, I, probably, I probably ran, because I want to say we did – 12, 12 and 12 and 18, I think. So I probably put 70 laps in the tires, you know, plus practice. So i actually, I didn't run the morning. Everybody else, right. Everybody else put 70 laps on. Cause I didn't run, uh, I didn't run qualifying or for the pre-final on Sunday. So most, you know, those guys are putting 70 laps down exactly the same. I, I, I think the track's fairly decent on tires. Um, even with, even with the heat, like you said, David, we did, we did work on tire pressure a little bit because man, they were, you know, with the heat, the tires were coming up pretty aggressively. Uh, by the end of the day. Yeah, I just wondered because the track's not used very often, what the the, the surface is like, because, you know, you go to a place like Shano and it just eats up tires like yeah. crazy. You're right. So I wasn't quite sure if, if the the tarmac there was, was similar to what you see at most racetracks or, or you know, if it was a more abrasive uh, surface. I think it's a pretty fine aggregate to tell you because, uh, yeah, I didn't hear anybody talking at all about, about tires going off or chewing. I didn't see tires chewing up either, so. I'm assuming that that obviously uh, Snyder just ran over something that 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 popped that tire. All right, let's uh, Dave. Let's go another quick break. We've got another what five categories still to go here in the race report. Brought to you by Stilo USA. This is uh, what episode number fifty-two of the EK and Debrief. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mini Micro Swift. We'll talk Briggs two hundred six, and we'll do a quick cap of KA one hundred senior. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. Meticulously engineered and manufactured in Japan, DID Genuine Parts are the world's number one original parts supplier for Japanese and European motorcycle manufacturers. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing kart chain. 
Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today. Because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. Hey racers, this is Rob Howden, and I'm super excited to be back with the Texas Pro Car Challenge family this year. After kicking off the season in Denton in March, and having just wrapped up our annual trip to Amarillo, it's time to get the final Texas PKC date on your personal calendar, and I'll see you there. We'll cap off the season on the September 13th, 14th, 15th weekend at the beautiful Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston. The track is the jewel of Texas karting, and you need to experience it for yourself. It's two full days of racing on Saturday and Sunday for Mini and Micro Swift, Briggs 206 Senior and Masters, KA100 Junior and Senior, X30 Junior, Senior and Master, Stock Honda Senior and Master, and of course, Pro Shifter. For information on how to register for the Texas Pro Car Challenge finale at Speed Sports, visit TexasProCarChallenge.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, ladies and gentlemen. This is our debrief of the Texas Pro Car Challenge event in Amarillo, Texas. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. This race report presented to you by Stilo USA. Uh, let's look at the drivers in the Mini Swift category. Davis Cunningham uh, on the Burrell for Speed Sports. Pretty impressive. He was able to qualify on pole, won the pre-final. Um, the main event was a, a two-driver battle. It was Davis Cunningham and Liam Flanagan. Flanagan, you know, was was pulling the old Top Gun. Was not leaving his wingman. <laughs> they're not they're not teammates, but he did not leave Cunningham at all through the entire main event. They were locked together and actually made a a great last lap move. You know, making the move, tried to go to the inside at turn number ten, didn't quite get deep enough into the corner and got into kind of the left rear of Cunningham and upset him a little bit. Cunningham went four wheels off in the grass. Flanagan came through to be able to get the win. Cunningham came back on, of course, not surprising and a good call. They reversed the order for avoidable contact. So Cunningham with the win, Flanagan second, and Archer Eversman actually finishing in the third spot. Coming back on Sunday, uh, Davis Cunningham again super quick, uh, but throw Parker DeLong in the fight as well. He ends up winning the pre-final, Parker DeLong did. Uh, in the main, more excitement. So Cunningham didn't quite have the pace in the main event. It ended up being um, Flanagan and DeLong stretching away. They were first and second. Then I started watching, you know, as always, you know, when, when things kind of settle down, David, everybody else is spread out, leaders are connected. We start looking at lap times. We start looking at splits. I started watching Landon Skinner. He started dropping his you know, laps were coming down. Personal best lap times, personal best green. Then he goes purple. And then he starts cutting, like the gap was two seconds, then a second and a half, then a second. He closes all the way up. And again, one of those amazing runs, able to get by DeLong, moves to second. Not quite enough to get Flanagan uh, to come to the checker, but it was exciting racing to see a driver's cart coming together. A young driver in Mini Swift, David, putting the laps down too. One thing when the car starts working, but the driver, uh, Landon Skinner, was putting the laps down. It was just a fun race to call because he was coming on strong. Again, it boils down to confidence uh, with with kids this young. Uh, I think, you know, being at, a, again, a new track, something that's different, something you don't get to uh, be able to sample very often. It's it's tough to uh, to come to grips with the track. And by Sunday, it, it eventually will should should come to you. And, you know, to be able to, to race along Parker DeLong, who we know races coast to coast 
all over the place, races nearly every weekend possible. Uh, so it builds up a lot of confidence for these kids to be able to race alongside a, a, a driver like DeLong. Agreed. Uh, moving into the Micro Swift category, James Moss scoring both of the victories there. Uh, Ethan Thomason got off to the start with a, with, uh, a P1 qualifying run on Saturday. Moss came back to win the pre-final and then was able to win the main going away. Charlie Bradbury, he and Thomason, two teammates from Crosslink Competition, uh, they essentially swapped back and forth for that second position. But Brad- Bradbury ended up coming up with that P- P2 spot. Thomason was third. On Sunday, Moss clearing the board, qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final, and wins uh, the main. Clayton Ingram, though, he stepped up. It wasn't Charlie Bradbury this time. It was Clayton Ingram. He stepped up and actually was able to battle with Thomason and then eventually stretch away. Uh, Ingram ends up in second, Thomason third. That's kind of the way things shook down for Micro. Uh, we'll see how things go in the championship battle once we get to uh, to Speed Sports, but uh, uh, that fight's still most definitely up because Thomason had a really good run at, at Speed Sports, so we got ourselves a title fight there. Uh, a quick jump to KA100 Senior. Only a couple drivers, two drivers in that category. Again, the KA program kind of just starting to get rolling in Texas. Two drivers making the trek out to Amarillo with Josiah Tracy and, uh, and Santiago Masi. On Tracy led all the sessions on Sunday, on Saturday though, for the main Massey gets a great start, puts himself on the rear bumper of Tracy. And as, as I said, Saturday, David, much more wind. So the draft was crazy, even coming down the back straightaway and even more coming on the front straight from nine to 10. Massey did not let him go. And I'm like, okay, Tracy's been kind of the guy to beat. He's had better speed, but Massey's in the right spot. He's got to make that big dive bomb move in turn 10. Couldn't quite get it done, but he tried it, but couldn't quite get it done. Tracy ends up getting the victory, Massey in second. But it was just, Dave, it's one of those deals where it was, you know, they could have ran, they really could have ran a two-lap race because they ran together for 18 laps and it all came down to the final circuit anyways. <laughs> could have been a- Well, but again, but again, racing, you got to go to the distance. And, you know, if, if Tracy would have made any type of mistake during the race, you know, Massey would have been right there to to steal the, the top position and that could have, Definitely changed the uh, the outcome. Uh, come the checkered flag. So let me. I'm going to blend K100 Senior and 206 Junior together because they ran together on the racetrack. Three drivers in the junior class, just two in K100 Senior. Significant difference in lap times, like 10 seconds. But because there were so little people on the track, it was a good call. We knew that the K100s were probably going to lap them maybe twice uh, during during the race, right? At least once, and potentially twice. So let's. Let's jump into Saturday in 206 Junior because no issues here. Juniors did a great job. Cameron Steller ends up qualifying on pole, but Peyton Phillips comes back and wins the pre-final. They lock up to run the entire main event together. Uh, in the very end, uh, Steller ends up getting the win. I want to say there, there might have been contact there again. And I think Steller got put back into the lead. I can't remember to, off the top of my head. Alex Ravis ends up in third. Um. Yeah, or did I, I? You know what? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure. Remember whether or not Stellar just walked. He might have pulled away at the end, but I thought there was a battle. That's uh, just too much going on in my melon right now. Well, the, and the, the results aren't online yet. <laughs> that's, well, I, I looked at them on, on Race Monitor, and I have got the results here. But again, I didn't. I would have to go grab them, and we are where we are right now. Here's the where I'm kind of thinking because this is the. It all sets up to do it again on Saturday, on Sunday rather. The only difference is Tracy's able to get away from Massey. So Santiago didn't have that draft, big, you know, big lead. And so Josiah Tracy gets the early gap, walks away to the win. 
here's where things get interesting, David. This is weird. And as it's happening, I'm realizing how kind of maybe a little awkward, maybe a little, it's rough for the the kids. So kids come around Uh, at the end of the race on Sunday, Josiah Tracy's closing up on the 206. And again, it's a battle again between, uh, between Stellar and Phillips. They're fighting back. They're going back and forth, right? They come across the line to get the, the two to go. So I believe Phillips was running in second spot. So he's two to go. He thinks in his mind he's got two laps remaining. As they come out of turn number five, because remember, coming behind them, Tracy gets the white flag, right? Tracy passes them between five and six. So the 206 kids are never going to get a white. So the driver in seconds never told it's the final lap to pass. He has to, I don't know if, if Peyton filled that, filled, figured that out or not, but because Phillips, because Tracy goes by, he's going to get the checker next time around. So they come around the line, you know, Stellar's still running in, in P1. Phillips is there. Phillips does actually, he tries to make the move, doesn't quite go. Stellar gets the win. Phillips in second, Ravis again in third. But I thought that was kind of super weird that, you know, because they got passed on the last lap and only got the two to go, they never saw the white because they weren't able to come back around and get that white flag. Their race essentially ended one lap early. Yeah, it's a weird uh, circumstance. And yeah. it's, you know, when you have two categories that are that far off, and as you said, getting lapped twice, I believe, in, in the 16-lap final, it's a it makes for a little challenging. But, you know, it is what it is. And you still got to race the checkered flag. Unfortunately, they weren't able, you know, they weren't able to time out a last lap. So what I'll do now is I'll, uh, we'll cap things off with the 206 senior category, the race that I was actually in. Um, I saw a lot of it happen in front of me <laughs> because I, where I was running, I was actually up to sixth at one point on, on Saturday, which was solid. I, I was kind of able to get through uh, some of the chaos, made a couple of good passes. I was P6. So let's talk a bit about the race itself. Then we'll talk about what, what I was able to do. Uh, Roy, so you're looking at some of the young guys, Dave. I'm racing against these young punks, right? Royce Johnson, Ethan Arndt, right in the fight there. Johnson ends up qualifying on pole. Uh, Ethan blew by me one of the practice sessions. No wonder. He's, he was about seven tenths or more quicker than me all weekend, he and Royce. But Royce on pole, Ethan Arndt, he, uh, the pre-final win. Of course, away we go, right? Now it's, Dave, you know what? 206 racing is light. Johnson and Arndt pull out to the early lead. But then you've got essentially third, fourth, and fifth, which is uh, RJ Guajardo, uh, Tyson Knight, and Jeff Dolian. And they're pushing. So the leaders are out for first and second. I, I'm, I'm able to get through to sixth, and I'm probably, a, I want to say, about 1.2 seconds back um, from Dolian, from the tail of that group, but I'm by myself. <laughs> and I look back, and I'm pro- I've probably got – maybe a second on the guys behind me, but they're lined up. There's three guys lined up trying to reel me in. I'm done. I, I'm just, you I got were, the head you were down. You a sitting duck. They're sitting duck. I got my head down. I'm I'm begging them to race. It wasn't going to happen. You're pulling yourself up with, with, the, with the steering wheel. <laughs> Hurting my arms. Exactly what I was doing. God darn it. So uh, good racing all, all along. Essentially what happens is Guajardo and Knight hook up. Dolly and his axle starts to slide on him. So he drops back. And that's what I was hoping I could catch back up to him. I, I couldn't because we were both by ourselves. I was running a little bit quicker. I was like getting a 10th at a time, but it wasn't going to be enough before I got reeled in. No, it, it wasn't enough. I was watching and, <laughs> I, and I, I was looking. I'm like, man, he might catch him. And then no, no, no. Well, as soon as I got, you, we'll need, go, you needed the axle to slide over more. <laughs> more. Yeah. A lot more. Um, Gohardo and Knight work together. They close up. Gohardo finally gets into the draft. 
Knight, for some reason, gets dropped much if he dropped the wheel. He falls back into fourth. So he's fourth. Doley in fifth. Guajardo actually catches up to the two young guns. He's able to get by. So Johnson gets the win. Guajardo in second and Arndt in third. But good example of the leaders running together. But even that group of five, you know, get a group of three, better than even the group of two. Because as you know, David, it's just line up and push and release to the breaking zone and keep pushing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always different, especially with with the pushing, because you work together with you might work better with one driver compared to another driver. So maybe Johnson and and aren't wording weren't exactly able to work together as good as they wanted to or as good as Guajardo and and, and and, uh, Knight were able to do so. Quick synopsis of mine deal. As I said, I was able to get through some chaos, made a couple of good passes, and, and rolled up into sixth. Eventually, I got reeled in by Scott Cherry and Nathan Wilkins. And I can't, I'm not sure if there might have been another car behind them. They get to me. I knew they were coming. Uh, eventually, they stream both stream by me. I'm able to get back by Wilkins. So Cherry ends up in sixth spot. I end up in seventh, and Nathan Wilkins in, in eighth. Uh, all in all, I felt pretty happy. I was up to P6. Uh, had I, I think, had I been quicker out of the gate, I think I, I qualified eighth because in the pre-final I got squeezed and be, uh, a couple of guys came across and squeezed me in turn, actually coming to the opening corner, which we start going into turn 10, not turn one. Bet my steering shaft a little bit so the cart wasn't quite perfect for the rest of the race. Qualified eighth for the main and again up to six quickly. And uh, as I said, had I started sixth, I think I might have been able to hold with the guys up front, but that was not going to happen. Well, uh, on, the, the, uh, the, the real question is what, what was the debrief with Mr. Alan Rudolph? Uh, Saturday night? Uh, to be honest, uh, we looked at some video and really what he wanted, he, he was actually pretty happy with, with what I was doing. Uh, I just needed to quiet my hands down a little bit. I was just a little too, had to slow the hands down. It, there was a, there was a lot of times where I was, I was making the two inputs into a corner. You know, I just, the, the, this is, this is the interesting thing about Amarillo and everybody will tell you this. It's so flat. There's absolutely no reference points anywhere. So you're, you know, again, you're trying to pick up, up. There's there's not you know there's no there's no real rumbles on the outside of corners kind of thing, so you're you're having to pick up you know cues from the the, the pavement as opposed to anything around you of where to turn in. So I struggled a bit with 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 early, and I always I always seem to struggle with early turn in. So I would turn in a little bit early and have to kind of kind of reset. So finally, once in, in talking to Alan, why I think I had such a good run on Sunday, I slowed my hands down, and I. Put the you know I turned my I lifted my eyes up I started looking more instead of instead of kind of fixating on the on the apex I started looking a lot more on the exit point and it worked much better for me coming out of turn number five and much better for me coming out of turn number eight as well and I think that's why I was able to get back up to eighth there were uh, on there, Sunday there are curvings just, there right there's I saw in the video there is curves oh yeah. there uh-huh. huge huge curbs <laughs> like but some just of them are really just big. on the apex like just, nothing nothing exit or entry yeah. wise. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah, you got to make sure you don't drop a wheel. Yeah. No exit curbing at all. Just the apex stuff. And a lot of it's real big, so you're not pounding it at all. Like you can't go with. And I hit. So I hit it's no, no Danny Formal. <laughs> no. No. I'm not pulling the Formal at all. At all. Uh, so let's cap off. This is to wrap up the race report. Brought to you by Steelo USA Sunday uh, for 206 Senior. Uh, again, I'm driving, so I really wasn't able to see it. I started dead last because I didn't run the pre-final or qualifier the pre-final. So. I had fun coming through the field. It was a blast. But by the time I got to eight, that's all I was doing. The guys in front of me were essentially long gone. Uh, top three drivers essentially pushed out. They're going to race for their own win. And it actually ended up being Johnson, Dolian, and Arndt. 
Johnson, again, qualified on the pole, his second consecutive P1 in qualifying. Dolian, though, able to, again, like we said, didn't have the issue with the, the sliding axle, and he was dialing things in all weekend. Dolian wins the pre-final. He ends up racing against Johnson and Arndt, a couple of young guns. Uh, Johnson with the win. Dolian ends up in second, and Ethan Arndt in third. It was a, a pretty good battle there. Uh, other than that, I didn't see a whole lot <laughs> after that. You know, I know that, uh, as I said, Brian Fisher jumped on board. He was running with Scott Cherry. They finished in front of me in sixth and seventh. Uh, otherwise, you know, just some good racing in 206. And, uh, uh, you know, Paul Gonzalez was the lone guy in Masters. I was going to run with him in Masters, but I elected to try to go battle the boys in uh, in senior, primarily because I didn't want to have myself and Jesse Dunham. And, again, I was getting some help from Jason Birdsell as well. I, I made weight, David, straight up. No weight on the go-kart whatsoever. A full tank of fuel, and we were right on 360. I wasn't I wasn't bolting thirty pounds to run three ninety at Masters. I, I keep I keep telling everybody these ma- these two hundred six weights are out of control, and we need to have we need to have a movement for twenty twenty. Yeah, it's too much. You know, forget forget about politics. Let's have a Briggs two hundred six movement to lower weights. <laughs> I like it. We're two we're two hundred pounds. There should be no reason that we are at weight for a senior category. I agree with that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like as, as, me, I, with fully suited, all my stuff, David. I was 200 right on helmet and everything. I'm 200 pounds, right? I mean, we should be at least 20 pounds overweight. Yeah, for senior for class. senior for senior. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's take at least 10 pounds off. Go to 350 at the very least, right? Yeah, but you got you got 15 year old kids trying to race senior, and they're they're what a buck 40, a buck yep. 50. You know, yep. we're 200 pounds. So, you know, give it, give a little bit, you know, I, I mean, I love it that we, we can race that at that weight, you know, you like the ignite weights, 360 pounds and boom, right on it. And you know, full tank of gas and no weight on the cart. So it, it's, I like that, but overall in the grand scheme of things, like you said, you know, we, then we have to put 30 pounds on to make master's weight and it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, if there's a guy so, weighing 250 pounds racing Briggs, just, just, it's, I don't know. Well, you can't, you, you can't, you, yeah, you just, you can't really play to that guy. You no. know, like, just, just like, just like you and I, sh- just like you and I should be penalized a little bit at 200 pounds to run senior. Now there are a lot, remember, there are a lot of guys that may be 25 years old who aren't 170 pounds. So I don't, I'm not overly, overly dissing the 360. The 390 is just really hard for masters because there's a lot of guys like, I, you know, I, I've been losing weight. I'm down, you know, I was down 20 pounds from Christmas. I plan to go another 20. I'd hate to have to have, think of this, me at 170 pounds where I plan to, be, when, when we, when we go to the cup carts, North America race, I plan to be 170. You know, that's where I want to be when we get there. Um, <laughs> if it's 390, sorry. if it's, if it's three, Dave, it's, if it's 390, I'm putting 50 pounds in my go-kart. Yeah. That's why, that's why I can, I refuse to lose weight right now is because <laughs> there's no reason to. Other you're than also, you're also six one. Other than I'm looking good for my wife, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to lose weight. <laughs> I love it. All right, folks. Well, that's an, another topic we'll talk about. That's a great. Hey, that's a great roundtable topic right there. We gotta. We'll put that on the docket and bring some bring some Briggs boys in to chat about that for sure. I like it. Otherwise, let's let, let let's cap things off. Um, you know, I'm gonna flip things around. I'm gonna do the wrap up before we do the Ecan trackside race calendar because I think it makes more sense. Uh, quick wrap up here from my trip to the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Uh, I want to thank the good folks from. Uh, from Speed Sports Racing Park, uh, you know, of course, Alan Rudolph, Jessica Rudolph, uh, able to you know get some great help from Jesse Dunham and Jason Birdsell. We talked a lot about you know cart what we wanted to do because we made a lot of changes. We we 
and I normally don't do that, but I got up to speed pretty quickly. I think on Thursday and Friday, we were changing, um, we were changing up the, uh, the, we did some rear width. We changed the gear a little bit. Uh, we, we tried the front bar in and out of, on the Burrell. Uh, we ended up, you know, Jason wanted to pull the struts off, the seat struts down. We took the seat struts off, not off, but we undid the seat struts for Sunday. Cart felt really good on Sunday uh, afternoon in the main. Uh, I think if we started, if I started Friday where I ended on Sunday, I think I think we would have been in a lot better shape. I'm really happy with what we were able to do, but big thanks to all of them. Good to hang out with my buddy Mark Trailer and his family as well. Uh, we had some we had some great dinners. Hit 575 Pizzeria twice. Badass pizza. Uh, and again, we did, uh, uh, we did the big Texan as well. We had a blast. That was a lot of fun. And you, you know what, you know what I had, you know, what we had at, at the big Texan Cole. I, I know you wouldn't do it. You know what we had Rocky mountain oysters, baby. Oh no. Oh yeah. God. Bulls balls. Oh. Yeah. I had bulls balls in my mouth. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much how you drive. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, it tastes like a chewy chicken nugget. <laughs> oh, that's gross. <laughs> uh, so wait, you worked with yeah. with Bird Cell 2.0. Don't hey, listen. Don't. Well, you know what? I'll, put, I'll have the Facebook thing up later today before, before you get this out. Because if you've looked on, on Ecan's Facebook page on my own, you're going to see back to back Bird Souls. <laughs> <laughs> so I work with I work with Mike Bird Souls at uh, Mike Bird Soul at the Brickyard. And Jason Birdsell at uh, at Texas Pro Car Challenge, pretty damn cool. It was good. Uh, so again, lot super hot, but kudos to the teams and the drivers and the families for withstanding the heat. Uh, you know, the Pro Car Challenge gave every driver a half bottle of water as soon as you came off. State the scales, and you could do whatever you want with it: drink it, pour it on you, whatever. But you had to give up the bottle once you got into the scales. So I thought that was a cool deal. Dave, we kind of already talked about how Texas kind of remains in a state of evolution, uh, you know, with the uncertainty in the shifter cart community. Because it, and it's tough for me to see as I kind of wrap things up because Texas was always a hotbed for shifter cart drivers. How many, you know, how many champions? You go all the way back to the '90s, you know, with McAllister and Kyle Martin and Colin Lynn, and there's so many top guys coming out of Texas, and. You know, now with the with the shifters the way they are right now, well, it's a shame because they're they're still there because they're still at the pro tour. You got the Jordan Mussers, the Ryan Kinnears, you got yeah. the Elavia, you got um Chris Jennings, Chris Jennings yep. you got uh um Boise, Kinnear. um Blair yep. Blair Hosey, sorry, Blair Hosey. Blair Hosey, yeah. You got yep. all these guys yep. who are still in the state of Texas, but they're not racing other than Pro Tour. So I think that, yeah, that's, that that's no, kind right. of that's kind of the also the, the other side of, of the table. But again, a lot of it has to do with the way, you know, with with the changes in the way the, the shifter programs evolved. And so a lot of them just don't don't are focusing their time and effort on Pro Tour. It's those three. Yeah. We yeah. could have had all those guys. We could have had so all you, those, you guys, had all those guys up. You know, right. your field's now up to 15. And then, as we know, numbers breed numbers. And then you start getting guys out of the garages with their carts and and, and things get bigger yeah. again. So. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a weird, you know, our sport is a, is a weird, I don't know, amoeba, amoeba. I don't know. I, it's just hard to describe. <laughs> Did you, hold on. Did you just yeah. drop the word amoeba? That's fit. Wow. It's just because you don't, you can't describe it because it just changes constantly and it's never the same. 
Yeah, and, and and it's month to month, week to week, and we lament it, but it is what it is. It's always been like that for twenty five years. I've been watching the evolution from you know Formula A, ICC, Mod Honda to ICC to Stock Honda to whatever it may be. It's it's things are always changing. Hopefully, it'll settle down a little bit. Uh, but I do know this, and this, and I'll make this final comment essentially about the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Um, I really enjoy working with with Mark French and Gina French. They really, they truly care about their customers. I know that because, you know, being able to work in the inner sanctum, kind of behind the curtain, I know that's the motivating factor. And I, when I have conversations with them, it's all about the, the customer experience. They're trying to do what they can to provide for the, the Texas karting community. Um, and that's all I can say, you know, to be able to get behind the curtain, you know, families, people, I watched, I watched a couple of parents lose their minds over certain things, absolutely lose their minds over calls that were the exact right call, like to the letter, the right call. And the parents still lose their minds. We know what happens in carding. We know people do it. It's sometimes it's the people that make carding. And sometimes it's the people that make people not want to be in carding. It's the same thing, right? There's always the positive. There's always the negatives, but I can tell you this, any conversation I have with Mark and Gina about what we're going to do at the next race, whether it be the barbecue that Mark and I did, or me coming to race to try to have some fun to try to bring more masters guys out, more digger guys out. It's all about the customer experience and they want to make sure people leave happy. That's all. I know that for sure. And that's something that I, I kind of want to end with that because I think that's, that's what it is, right? That's exactly what it is. And that's what our sport should be about. Yeah. All right, Dave. Yeah. You've been working your ass off on the old 96 or any info. There is no such thing as an old 96 er so it was made up for the movie. And you, right. if you want to know the details, it was actually filmed in California, Bass Lake, California. There's a bar. It's called Deucey's. <laughs> D-U-C-E-Y apostrophe S bar and grill on Bass nice. Lake, California. So they actually have an old 96 or hamburger challenge there. <laughs> you got to eat that in 30 minutes. All right. So that's nine and a th- one third pound Angus burger patties. How, hey, how close is it to one of the races we go out there for? Sure. You know, you, that you, part sure. I haven't, I haven't looked at, but you're right. <laughs> that's next. You're right. Um, so there's five, there's five steak challenges. The big Texan steak ranch. That's a 72 ouncer. Yeah. Yeah. Brand Steakhouse in Las Vegas has an 80 ounce for $185 or 40 ounce for 99. Uh, one in Tennessee, they have an 80 ouncer there. One in Pennsylvania, they have a 120 ounce steak. Yes, what? 120 ounce steak. Oh my god! And then god. one more, and then one more in Wisconsin. So. Uh, all right, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, let's wrap this up. The next event of the Texas Pro Car Challenge, rounds number five and six, September 13th, 14th, 15th, Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston, Texas. I get to go back to the Howden Tower, as so uh, thankfully named by uh, Alan Rudolph. Good to be down there. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of great food stops. I know that when we hit the hit the Houston, uh, but that track just so challenging. That's September 13th, 14th, 15th. Come and join us there, folks. It's going to be a good one. Let's cap things off uh, with the EK and Trackside Live race calendar. We'll have a look at where David Cole and I are going to be in the coming weeks. This particular uh, look at the calendar presented by the Rawlison Performance Group. At the Rawlison Performance Group, we strive for ultimate success. We're more than just an arrive and drive race team with countless wins in the national regional level. Our focus is on complete driver development, and that's where the success is fueled. We combine one-on-one coaching, on-track instruction, and intensive data debriefing with unparalleled cart and engine prep. Our program will help you raise your game and we'll take you to the next level. If that's your goal, RPG needs to be your next move. All right, David, let's cap off this debrief podcast. 
Uh, you're on the road this, well, I'm, we're both on the road this weekend. I'm going to mid Ohio for the IndyCar race and road to Indy. You, my friend are going to what your first of three trips to, to Newcastle. Is that right? Four, 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 four oh, trips. Wait, wait. This is the first of four. I keep forgetting the last one. But yeah, first of yeah. four. Go. So yeah, United States Pro Kart Series is going to wrap up their program for 2019 at Newcastle Motorsports Park this weekend. So we have rounds five and six. All six rounds count towards the championship. So it's going to make things very interesting. We have what is anticipated to be another record turnout. They Man. want they beat their pre-registration by one. Uh, so they have a record number of pre-registrations. So hopefully we're going to get that 10 or 12 that are at track registrations. So we can, we can maybe reach that 180 driver mark. Nice. I like to hear that. A uh, couple weeks later, you and I, David, right back at Newcastle Motorsports Park again. USPKS, of course, wrapping up their championship this weekend. August 9th, 10th, 11th, the Supercar USA Pro Tour Summer Nationals at Newcastle. Uh, I would think we'll probably be looking at about 200, between 230 and 250 entries. That's going to be a barn burner for sure. Uh, always great racing at Newcastle. A little bit different to layout as well. They come up with something custom. They had a custom one. They got some feedback. They added back in a little technical uh, technical section, Dave. So it'll be a new racetrack, right, for the for the first time for this this year's Summer Nats. To be something completely brand new to to a majority of the racers that are going to be at the Summer Nationals, but again, like like kind of what the USPKS is, uh, Mini Swift X30 Junior X30 Senior, those are reaching the uh, 44 driver cap yeah. uh, for the Summer Nationals. So yes, numbers are going to be big again. Uh, we're going to probably have an influx of shifter carts as well too, because we know the Great Lakes Pro Carts uh, Pro Cart Challenge. Uh, has a number of shifter cart drivers that are taking part. Their race, their finale is next weekend yep. at Newcastle. So a lot of the a lot of racers are going to be at that event that will be on the actual layout that the Summer Nationals will be. So I think overall, the you know the next three weekends are going to be really big at Newcastle. Lots of stuff to come, folks, on the EKN Trackside Live Calendar again, presented by Cooper Tires. Uh, we're thank- thankful to have Cooper Tires on board with us once again. We've wrapped it up. That's episode number 52. David Cole called it the Butch Miller episode. A little ASA <laughs> throwback there for you. Uh, we're wrapping up here. Uh, great time at the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event at the Amarillo Kart Circuit again. Mid-September, we head to Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston to cap off that particular program, the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. We are wrapped up here, folks. Lots more to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Uh, we'll have a debrief next week again for the uh, for the USPKS. We're going to This Week in Karting coming next week. Uh, I'm lining up an interview as well with uh, Roger Ruthart from the Rock Island Grand Prix. Going to try to sit down as well with Justin Stefani, if we can, from, um, from J3 Competition to talk Rotax in the U.S. Lots more still to come, but we are done for the day. On behalf of David Cole, folks, my name's Rob Howden. Hashtag Rob Howden beat David Cole. Bye for now. <laughs>